The final Medicare and Medicaid bill passed both houses of Congress by an overwhelming vote. President Johnson signed the bill making it the law of the land July 30th, 1965 in Independence, Missouri, in the presence of former President Truman. Later, President Johnson helped President Truman sign up for the voluntary part of Medicare. They told me, President Truman, that if you wish to get the voluntary medical insurance, that you'll have to sign this application form. And they asked me to sign as your witness. So you're getting special treatment since cards won't go out to the other folks until the end of this month. But we wanted you to know, and we wanted the entire world to know, that we haven't forgotten who is the real daddy of medicine. I'm Cheryl Ackeson. Welcome to Washington Unplugged. Former President Lyndon B. Johnson passed Medicare legislation in just a little more than six months from his inauguration. While his party held both houses in Congress, much like today, many felt his inside negotiations and political savvy sealed the deal. We'll have a discussion about how President Obama's health care cause could benefit from lessons of the president's past. But first, listen how recordings of LBJ tell the story of Medicare legislation. Execute. I will faithfully execute. It was 1965. President Johnson had been elected in a landslide. He made Medicare, hospital coverage for the elderly, a top priority. I'll spend the goddamn money. I may cut back some tanks, but not on health. Johnson pushed Medicare and Medicaid like his life depended on it. He said that when John Kennedy died, it was up to him to make Kennedy a martyr. And the causes he picked for the martyred president are civil rights, Medicare, and Medicaid. Like today, Democrats held a majority in Congress, yet sweeping national health care was far from assured. One of Medicare's toughest opponents was conservative Southern Democrat Wilbur Mills, who fretted about the cost and idea of socializing medicine. It was Mills who led the powerful committee that controlled the fate of any Medicare bill, and Mills who'd blocked Kennedy's Medicare efforts. He didn't hesitate to raise the issue of cost with President Johnson. The only thing I'm concerned about, and I'm very frank about it, is that there's about $450 million in this bill out of the general funds of the Treasury for which you haven't budgeted to your, uh, your uh, situation. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll do that. Johnson prodded Mills relentlessly and finally won his support, offering, then giving him full credit. I want to ask Chairman Mills now to uh, make a brief statement concerning this program that his committee's worked out. Johnson knew he also had to woo conservative Democrats in the Senate, led by Dick Russell. In a phone call with newly elected Senator Ted Kennedy, Johnson told Kennedy it was important to control the message on cost, lest Senator Russell find out. My health program yesterday runs $300 million, but the fools had to go to projecting it down the road five or six years. And when you project it the first year, it runs $900 million. But the first thing Dick Russell comes running in and says, my God, you've got a billion-dollar program for next year on health, therefore I'm against any of it now. Do you follow me? Yes, right, right. Now, we don't want to stir up any more hornets, and we have to. He 
thought that if people knew the full cost of Medicare, it would never have passed. And he kept trying to lowball the estimates. There was powerful opposition outside of Congress, too, some of which was viewed as inevitable by the president and his key aide on Medicare. What are the insurance companies? Are they still raising hell? Well, man? yes, I think they're going to go over to the Senate and raise uh, hell uh, on the uh, thing, because quite, uh, quite frankly, uh, there's no longer any room for the private insurance companies to sell insurance policies for people over 65 when you take the combination of hospital care and the uh, physician service. Yeah, okay, I think that's wonderful. With Johnson's near daily involvement from start to finish, Medicare was passed and signed into law a little more than six months after his inauguration, July 30th, 1965. Welcome everyone to another episode of Single Payer Radio. We're a project of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare, and we're an affiliate of the Kentucky Chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program. We believe a national, publicly funded, nonprofit, that is, nonprofit single payer system is the solution to the current dysfunctional system that puts profit over patients and leaves many of us in medical debt. We're broadcasting here from the historic Habern Building in downtown Louisville, and Kentuckians for Single-Payer Healthcare is a long-standing community partner with WFMP, 1065 Forward Radio. The views and opinions expressed on our show are those of the speakers and not the station. I'm Mark McKinley, a volunteer with the group. Single payer radio can be heard on WFMP 1065 on Mondays at 2 p.m., Tuesdays at 7 a.m., and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. If you can't pick up our radio signal, you can live stream us at forwardradio.org. If you miss a show or want to re-listen to an episode, you can do this at forwardradio.org slash singlepayerradio. WFMP is an all-volunteer station we rely on the community. That means you for your ideas and our funding. Join us, forwardradio.org. The Medicare system was established to help all seniors back in 1965. It was not established as a means to provide tremendous profits to Wall Street and private equity companies. And that's what is happening now. We need to stop the privatization of our Medicare program and expand health care coverage to everyone. This episode that you're going to hear is a webinar that Physicians for a National Health Program sponsored recently and it will 
describe the pressures that Medicare is under right now from profiteers and what we can do to resist the privatization of Medicare. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Susan Rogers, and I am the president of Physicians for a National Health Program. I am thrilled to see so many people joining us today, ready to learn about the dangers of direct contracting and the REACH program and how we can protect Medicare from profiteering. PNHP isn't alone in this fight. Today, there are over 300 organizations signed on to our letter to Secretary Becerra demanding an end to REACH. Our allies at Public Citizen, Social Security Works, People's Action, Indivisible, Puget Sound Advocates for Retirement Action, Jane Adams Senior Caucus, and the California Alliance of Retired Americans are standing up alongside PNHP as partners in the movement to end ACO REACH. Please continue to support organizations like these as we continue to push for health equity in this country. I also want to personally give a special thank, uh, thank you to ACT-TV and Social Security Works for hosting this event on their platforms. Our message to end reach needs to reach far and wide, and it is because of the technological capabilities of these groups that I can speak to you on your screen today. Now, the majority of American seniors, like me, chose choose traditional Medicare because it does not allow middlemen to interfere with our care. The direct contracting and REACH program betrays the promise of traditional Medicare by allowing Wall Street investors and other middlemen to stand between beneficiaries and the care that they need. Today, we'll hear from people like you, people who value traditional Medicare and don't want Wall Street to come between them and their doctor. We will also hear from our allies in Congress who are fighting to protect Medicare. We know that just talking about this issue isn't enough. So we'll also give you three specific action steps to fight back. Call your member of Congress and urge them to fight this program on the Hill. Call President Biden tomorrow and tell him to use executive action to end this program. And finally, sign up and share our petition. You don't have to remember all this now because we'll uh, post specific instructions throughout the program and also send you an email with more details on these action steps. So now let's hear from our experts, Drs. Anna Manilow and Ed Weisbart, who will tell us the five things we need to know about direct contracting and REACH. Anna and Ed, take it away. Thank you, Susan. It's such a pleasure to be here. Hi, Ed. So Ed and I want to spend just a few minutes making sure we all understand what DCE and REACH actually are. Ed, what are DCE and REACH? Thanks, Anna. Uh, DCE stands for Direct Contracting Entities. Direct Contracting is a new program that was launched by the Trump administration. Uh, it hands traditional Medicare over to Wall Street investors. Direct contracting inserts new for-profit middlemen called direct contracting entities into the medical care of seniors and people with disabilities, supposedly to manage your care. But we know that when for-profit groups say they're managing your health care, they really mean that they're getting in the way of your health care. They're redirecting you. They're trying to make a profit off of you. We've seen this before, and it's dangerous. 
There's been a lot of opposition recently to DCEs and REACH by healthcare activists, and the Biden administration responded in part by changing the name direct contracting to ACO REACH. But other than the name change and a few cosmetic changes, we see little difference between the DCEs and REACH. They both basically hand traditional Medicare over to Wall Street investors. So this is being done to people in traditional Medicare. But many people today in Medicare are in Medicare Advantage and don't actually have traditional Medicare anymore. So maybe we should explain the difference between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage first, because it can be confusing. Uh, Anna, can you help with that? Sure, I'll try. About half of the seniors on Medicare choose to stay on traditional Medicare, also called original Medicare. Now, in this program, patients go to their doctor, the doctor bills Medicare, the doctor gets paid, no middlemen, no prior authorizations, no denials or delays, simple. Other seniors choose a Medicare Advantage plan. Medicare Advantage is the version of Medicare run mainly by commercial insurance companies for profit. Now, for some people, Medicare Advantage costs less at first, but the trade-off is that when you get sick, if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, you may face prior authorizations, denials, and delays in care. Medicare Advantage costs the government more, threatening to bankrupt Medicare, and does not deliver better care. Sure, Medicare Advantage plans can sometimes offer inexpensive extras like vision or a little dentistry because they're seriously overpaid by Medicare. Now, I think that's unfair. Those extras should be available to everyone on Medicare. But people choose to be on Medicare Advantage. Now, if I choose traditional Medicare, can I end up in one of these DCE REACH programs? Well, I am on traditional Medicare, and sadly, yes. They have the authority to assign seniors and people with disabilities into a DCE or REACH without your full knowledge or consent. They're searching through your medical bills, deciding who they think is your primary care doc doctor, and then they just assign you to that doctor's DCE. So you still have Medicare, but now Medicare pays the DCE or the REACH, and the DCE REACH pays your doctor or hospital, and the DCE REACH keeps nearly all of what they don't spend on your health care. So for the first time ever, there's a middleman in traditional Medicare making a profit from your health care. And remember, this is being done to the very people who chose traditional Medicare and said no to all of those ads for Medicare Advantage. But wait a minute. So if someone doesn't want to be in a DCE, can they get out? <laughs> Well, we asked that very question of Medicare when we met with them a few months ago, and they said, absolutely, you can get out. All you have to do is pick a new doctor. Wow. We were frankly horrified by that statement. It's not easy to find a doctor whom you trust and are comfortable with, or sometimes a doctor at all, particularly if you live in a rural or other area with fewer providers, and then to be forced to find a new doctor because of this new plan with Wall Street, well, that's that's just not right. But, but what also worries me, Anna, is this. If traditional Medicare is taken over by Wall Street, well, what happens to Medicare for all? Well, exactly. 
Half of Medicare is already run by third-party profiteers through Medicare Advantage. Now, the other half of Medicare is threatened to be controlled by investor-owned for-profit DCEs and REACH. And if we don't stop this program now, there won't be any Medicare for All left to fight for. Susan, I hope that this has been helpful. I know we have an exciting agenda coming up, including patients with powerful personal stories and members of Congress. Back to you. Thank you so much, Dr. Weisbart and Dr. Manilow. Yes, this is a very complicated program, but you did such an excellent job breaking it down for us. Thank you. And for anyone who wants to learn more, please visit protectmedicare.net for, for your next one-step resource on REACH. Now let's hear from someone who knows firsthand how profiteering middlemen pose a direct threat to the health of seniors. Please welcome Rick Timmons of the Puget Sound Advocates for Retirement Action. I should mention that this group scored a huge victory recently by helping to pass a resolution in the Seattle City Council calling for an end to direct contracting and reach. Rick, let's hear what you have to say. Thank you, Dr. Rogers. Uh, a few years ago, I was uh, I enrolled myself in Medicare, and um, I guess I became a poster child, a poster elder, for what you just heard. Um, because uh, when I was given that choice between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage, uh, the choice seemed to be a, a no-brainer because Medicare Advantage did offer a number of different coverages that other uh, that traditional Medicare did not offer, such as vision, hearing, dental, and it had a cap on out-of-pocket expenses. Traditional Medicare was not allowed to do this by law. So I chose Medicare Advantage. Uh, a few years later, I came to regret that decision. Uh, an old knee injury uh, progressed to the point where it needed a replacement. And um, I was rather surprised, in fact, shocked when my primary care advantage company, the insurance company, denied my doctor's re request for a referral to a very well-known and respected surgeon at the University of Washington because he was not in their network. A few years later, I had a second cause to regret my decision, and that's when a, a small lump on my ear suddenly began to grow. It had previously been uh, diagnosed as benign, but the fact that it was growing and painful suggested I needed a little bit of a treatment, and my doctor agreed. Uh, she thought that it, perhaps it was, uh, we need to consider a melanoma, um, because I've got a family history of that, and because of the physical appearance of the tumor. So um, she submitted a request for referral to a well-respected dermatologist who actually was in the network of the Medicare Advantage plan. Well, if you know about melanomas, you know that uh, effective treatment requires immediate, um, immediate diagnosis and uh, immediate treatment. And um, so I was rather concerned when a couple months later, we hadn't heard any, excuse me, a couple of weeks later, we hadn't heard anything from the insurance company. So I made a call to the customer service representative number. I'm not going to go into details, but uh, I will tell you that that was the first of frequent frustrating phone calls and resubmissions of the re of the uh, request for referral uh, and increasing anxiety and stress on my part, not to mention uh, increasing size of the tumor and uh, increasing pain. 
So uh, I'm going to jump nine months later. Uh, now I am recovering from major surgery to remove the uh, malignant melanoma and exploratory surgery to look for metastases in the local lymph nodes. And because of the, uh, the fact that this tumor was now quite aggressive, I'm now being assessed for immunotherapy. Now, if I had had traditional Medicare, I would have called the dermatologist directly to schedule that appointment. And uh, I would have avoided possibly uh, major surgery, uh, immunotherapy, and certainly the stress and anxiety um, of waiting. Um, but instead, I had to put up with the uh, choices of the medical of the uh, insurance company who is determining whether or not I should have that procedure. I'm not alone in this situation. Every day, millions of other seniors endure uh, dis uh, delays, uh, denials, as I did, uh, simply because insurance companies put profit before patients. So as you heard, despite all the evidence that uh, putting middlemen in the middle of the uh, healthcare medical decisions, they drive up costs and they increase, they increase denials uh, and delays of care, which can have pretty serious effects on the patients. So the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services has already began, as you've heard, to move traditional Medicare beneficiaries into ACO REACH. Now, ACO REACH is not the same thing as Medicare Advantage. Uh, in fact, in my opinion, it's Medicare Advantage on steroids. But it is not the same as traditional Medicare either, especially when you follow the money. So I learned my lesson the hard way. And if Wall Street firms are allowed to make decisions about your health care, their profits will always come first. Your health care will come second. So join me and do everything you can to end this dangerous program before it's too late. Thank you. Back to you, Dr. Rogers. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story, Rick. And we wish you all the best in your recovery and, and continued health. I would like to make a note now that there has been some diff technical difficulties with our website, and there will be a recording that will be emailed to everyone after the show if you're having trouble um, seeing the program live now. Um, check your email later today uh, for this, uh, and we will provide everything you need to get started. There will also be a copy of all the action steps that you'll need that I mentioned before for you to take on. So let's hear again now from one of our strongest Medicare champions in Congress, Representative Pramila Jayapal. I'm Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, and I'm proud to serve Washington's 7th Congressional District in the House of Representatives, where I also serve as the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Look, we all know that our health care system is broken. In fact, it's not a system at all. It is a patchwork of outdated laws that benefit the private insurance and drug companies, and not you, the people. The average American spends more than $12,000 per year on health care, and more than half of Americans, both insured and uninsured, hold medical debt. Today, just the thought of medical debt is enough to keep people from seeking care as they need it, and in many cases, until it's too late. You know, there's a problem in our country when cancer rates spike at 65, 
because that's when seniors are finally able to see a doctor because it's the age when Medicare coverage begins. And yet, even though Medicare is relied on by millions of seniors across the country, and precisely because it is so necessary and cost-effective, it is under threat today from the constant efforts of private insurance companies and for-profit investors who want to privatize it and turn it into yet another shameful opportunity to make money off of people's health problems. Let me be clear. I will fight any effort to privatize Medicare tooth and nail including the most recent effort called ACO REACH or direct contracting. The ACO REACH program is Medicare privatization hidden in layers of bureaucracy. Essentially, seniors are put onto this program, which allows a profit-seeking third party, like a health insurer or private equity-backed firm, to step in and get paid by Medicare to manage the care that they get taking for themselves as profit whatever they don't want to spend on the patient. ACO reach has no size limit, meaning that tens of millions of Medicare beneficiaries can be funneled into this program before we can even know for sure what this means for patients. But we certainly have a good idea of how it will look. Studies show that seniors consistently receive worse care under Medicare Advantage compared to traditional Medicare. These profit-driven entities are encroaching on Medicare and our entire health system, aiming to make money off of both patients and the federal government. And as of now, Medicare is letting them. This is only going to lead to more patient claims denied, more necessary treatments missed, and more patients falling through the cracks. That's why the Progressive Caucus is calling on the Biden administration to fully end this program. Our call has been gaining steam with the help of seniors and activists around the country. Last week, the Seattle City Council became the first in the country to pass a resolution to stop privatizing Medicare, specifically calling out the ACO REACH program. The Arizona House of Delegates, with support from the Arizona Medical Association, comprised of 4,000 doctors, passed a similar resolution. President Trump put this program in place. President Biden can end it. He's taken some steps already, but it's not enough. We need to strengthen and expand Medicare, not sell it out to the highest private equity bidder. So thank you for all your activism to protect traditional Medicare. Let's get this done. Thank you so much, Representative Jayapal, for fighting to protect Medicare from the profiteering and for being the lead sponsor for Medicare for All in the House of Representatives. I'm excited to hear from our next speakers from my hometown of Chicago. Dee Dorsey and Bill Bianchi represent the tireless fighters at the Jane Addams Senior Caucus. Take it away, Dee and Bill. My name is Dee Dorsey. And I am a board member and a leader with Jane Addams New Caucus in Chicago. We have over 500 members and fight for a world where seniors can live in and age in dignity. And I'm Bill Bianchi, also a board member and leader with the Jane Addams Senior Caucus. I am an 80-year-old woman with a disease that has no cure and no medicine to stop it. About 20 years ago, when I had to retire from my job, 
my employer offered me a Medicare Advantage plan. I was nervous about the plan, but not knowing what else I could do, I signed up. Over the years, the co-payments have gone up, the deductions have gone up, and the cost of medicine has gone up. What seemed like a simple decision at the time meant that my pocketbook was hit harder every year. I know firsthand how inserting a profit-driven middleman in serious health care can hurt us. That's why we need to fight reach. Because a middleman does nothing for a senior self here. I want to protect traditional Medicare for the millions of seniors who had a chance to choose it. And I want to expand it to everyone in the form of Medicare for all. Medicare for all means no co-payments and no drug costs for seniors. And would include hearing, dental, and vision care. I am dedicated to fighting for Medicare for all because I don't want to see any other seniors or anyone else be forced into the same position. Having to deal with a profit driven middleman in our health care. My name? Hi, I'm Bill Bianchi, also a board member and leader with Jane Adams Senior Caucus. I'm 78 years old. Last fall on a lakefront walk, I began having symptoms of heart problems, plus nausea and vomiting. I thought, oh, COVID. The symptoms got worse, so my friends called an ambulance. I was taken to Northwestern Hospital Emergency Room, treated there for 24 hours, and then admitted to the hospital where I remained for a whole week. They had discovered a blood infection that needed to be treated immediately. Because I was on traditional Medicare, there were no provider networks to worry about. I was treated at one of Chicago's top-rated hospitals and, and by a bunch of top-rated specialists. Traditional Medicare covered uh, all of the bills from the hospital and the specialists. It was $85,000 in total, but no questions or rigmarole. I paid only a deductible of $1,400, and now the infection is gone. I was able to make the choice to be on traditional Medicare, and I don't want to be moved to reach. See, uh, seniors are angry and, and con very concerned of, of what we are hearing about the REACH program. Dee and I have talked to some of our fellow Jane Addams Senior Caucus members, and people are terrified of being transferred without their will or consent to a third-party middleman that is allowed to keep as profit what they don't spend on our care. We know that means that Wall Street investors will be involved in our care, and they are more, going to be more worried about their bottom lines than they are about our well-being. So let's do everything we can to preserve traditional Medicare, and the best solution would be Medicare for all. No networks, no deductibles, just health care. Thank you so much, uh, Dee and Bill, for your 
your incredible stories and um, why you support uh, Medicare for All and why you are against REACH uh, program. And I want to thank uh, the groups like Jane Adams Senior Caucus, the People's Action Affiliate, for your tireless work to win health care for all. And before I introduce our next speaker, please take a uh, second to sign our petition, which you will find in the description of this video. Let's now head back out west and hear from Catherine Donahue with the California Alliance for Retired Americans, an organization that represents almost a million California seniors. Catherine, let's hear your Medicare story and why you are fighting against direct contracting and reach. Well, hello, and thank you for the opportunity to speak out about efforts to privatize Medicare. My name is Catherine Donahue, and I am a retired registered nurse, and I represent the California Nurses Association on the CARA board or the California Alliance for Retired Americans. Uh, CARA is California's largest grassroots senior advocacy organization, and like um, uh, was said, represents over a million seniors through our 300 affiliated organizations and individual members. And we are also the state affiliate of the 4.3 million member national organization, the Alliance for Retired Americans. I'm a senior citizen and have traditional Medicare coverage. I live in a very rural area in the far north of California near the Oregon border. The healthcare system that controls access to most of the healthcare where I live is the corporation Providence St. Joseph. Several years ago, Providence bought up all the private doctor practices that were in Humboldt County, most all of them. Many good physicians left the area because of this takeover. Now there are very few physicians still in private practice in this rural area. People with health insurance now find their insurance-approved network of providers very restricted. These areas of far northern California are geographically very large, mountainous, and very remote. Travel to obtain healthcare access can take several hours of driving over dangerous mountain roads to arrive at the closest in-network provider. Many of us now drive seven or eight hours either to San Francisco or Sacramento to access our health care. With so many doctors having left because of the Providence takeover of doctors' practices, there are not many choices left for access to providers. I am very worried, and I know that allowing Wall Street middlemen into my traditional Medicare is going to make this worse, not better. I am worried and know that Wall Street will put all Medicare beneficiaries at risk, particularly those of us who live in more remote rural areas with very restricted networks. I don't understand why anyone would think these corporate insurance middlemen are going to make things better for Medicare recipients. That is what was promised when Providence took over physicians' practices and the exact opposite has happened. Access has gotten worse. Doctors closed up shop and left town. To keep privatizing Medicare is killing seniors. Big business and Wall Street investors focus on their own profits as it is incumbent on corporations to provide profits for their shareholders. They are not in the business to help all of us. They purposefully get in the way of our ability to access the healthcare we all need because it increases their profits. Thank you for this opportunity. This has been a great presentation for by everyone. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Catherine. I'm re this really fires me up to fight back. I think these stories, uh, we can all see where we could easily fall into that ourselves. And speaking of being fired up, please help me welcome Representative Katie Porter, also from California. She's a fierce advocate for Medicare and was one of the first legislators to raise the alarm about direct contracting. Representative Porter, the floor is yours. Hi everyone, I'm Congresswoman Katie Porter and I'm delighted to join you to discuss why protecting Medicare is so important. Medicare is popular because Medicare works. The district that I represent has just about as many Democrats as Republicans. And I hear from constituents, Democrats, Republicans and independents who tell me that they like Medicare. They want Congress to protect it, to strengthen it and to expand it. But there are special interests and corporate powers that want to open Medicare up for profit. And that's the topic I'm excited to discuss with you all today, how we can join together and protect Medicare from corporate greed. In 2020, the Trump administration created a new pilot program in Medicare called direct contracting. The Trump administration claimed this program would make Medicare more efficient, but it actually does just the opposite. Rather than allowing patients to access providers directly like they can under traditional Medicare, the direct contracting program invited private equity groups and for-profit businesses to get in between patients and their doctors. And the worst part, direct contracting automatically enrolls beneficiaries who signed up for traditional Medicare without their consent. The direct contracting model doesn't work for patients. It doesn't work for healthcare providers. It only works for people who want to make money from Medicare and profit off taxpayer dollars. And I refuse to let them do that. I've been working with a team of colleagues, Representative Jayapal, Pokan, Chikowski, Senator Warren, and others to push the Biden administration to address this Trump era scheme. In partnership with hardworking activists, many of whom join us here, we've written letters, given speeches, and met with senior government officials urging them to change the program. And all of this work has moved the needle. Thanks to these efforts, the direct contracting program will soon have important transparency requirements. Private equity and shady nonprofit groups will not be able to take advantage of Medicare beneficiaries. And there are important provisions to limit the potential for fraud and protect taxpayers. But this is nowhere near enough. We need to keep up the pressure. Right now, there is a battle for the future of Medicare. On one side, there are corporate lobbyists, insurance companies, and the pharmaceutical industry. They want to roll back the progress that we have secured. They want to privatize Medicare further and open it up for profits. They don't want older Americans to have access to affordable hearing services or low-cost prescription drugs or other vital benefits that would disrupt their bottom line. On the other side are the people. We know that a strong majority of Americans of all parties believe that it is the federal government's job to provide health care coverage. And we need to fight to protect Medicare from the private interests seeking to extract profits from our most successful public health program. I am so grateful to Physicians for a National Health Plan for inviting me to speak and for your tireless work to protect Medicare. I am proud to be your ally and partner in this fight. Thank you so much, Representative Porter. We agree that there's a battle between people and private equity for the future of Medicare, and that's why we must end the REACH program immediately. 
Now for our last speaker, we're coming back to the Midwest with Dr. Laurel Mark, who was a retired physician in Wisconsin, who will speak about the dangers of middlemen in the doctor-patient relationship. Welcome, Dr. Mark. Hi, I'm Dr. Laurel Mark. I'm a recently retired internal medicine doc in Madison, Wisconsin, and the co-chair of Wisconsin PNHP. I spent almost 40 years taking care of patients, and over that time, I had to experience the relentless encroachment of corporate medicine into my clinical practice. Like almost every doctor I know, I devoted myself to the study of medicine so I could help people stay or become healthy and be with them to help relieve their suffering. Building real relationships with our patients allows us to be partners and guides and forges a bond between doctor, healer, and patient. Nothing is more sacred in medicine than that relationship. That bond of trust and compassion is an intrinsic part of therapy and healing. I've seen the power of that bond from both sides. When I was younger, I myself had a miscarriage which required surgical intervention, a scary and traumatic event. My OB, Dr. Barbara Brew, stayed late and saw me through this and at the end thanked me for coming to her and allowing her to help me. She said that I had given her the gift of my trust and she was grateful for that. She was a true mentor to me and taught me to do this in every patient interaction I had. The erosion of that relationship is at the core of what's wrong with our system. And it is a direct result of the corporate for-profit takeover of medicine and the intrusion of profit-driven companies into that relationship. Those entities want to change the doctor-patient relationship from one of trust and mutual benefit into a simple economic transaction. It makes patients feel abandoned and angry and it's profoundly demoralizing for doctors, nurses, and health professionals. We see the consequences of this ongoing assault on our ability to be doctors and healers when large portions of the public don't trust doctors and health professionals anymore. Think about the recent grim news that over 1 million Americans have died from COVID, astronomically higher than in our peer countries. Most of those deaths preventable had the public trusted us more. I oppose direct contracting and reach because it undermines the foundation of healthcare, which is the bond between doctor, healer, and patient. It gives non-healthcare for-profit entities the power to decide about our personal medical care and devalues the doctor-patient relationship yet again. I'm especially outraged by the assertion that patients can opt out by finding another doctor, as if that were possible. This is so disturbing from a policy perspective because it treats doctors and healers as interchangeable cogs in the corporate machine. I want doctors and healthcare professionals working in partnership with their patients, making those medical decisions. So what have we done here in Wisconsin to stop direct contracting and reach? First, we educated ourselves about the program so we could also educate our members and our partner organizations. We coached members to contact their representatives in Congress. We worked with partner organizations to mobilize a broad coalition. We're in regular contact with our congressman, Representative Mark Pocan, who has been a champion on this issue. But we know we need to do more. This summer, we plan to publish letters to the editor and op-eds, 
do radio interviews, meet with legislators, and bring more groups into our coalition. And we've marked our calendars for July 30th, Medicare's anniversary, a perfect day to take action to protect our nation's most important health program. We also learned that anybody can make a difference. You just need to act. Educate yourself and your neighbors, call the president and Congress, sign and share the petition, and bring as many people as you can into our movement to protect Medicare. And with that, I'll let Dr. Rogers explain the next steps. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark. Now, local activist groups like yours have a lot of power to fight back against injustice, and I hope everyone watching at home will consider joining your local chapter of PNHP, People's Action, Indivisible, Healthcare Now, or any of the other senior and community groups that are part of this campaign. What's next? Well, you've heard the facts. You've heard the powerful stories from seniors and from our allies in Congress. The good news is that we have the power to stop direct contracting and reach right now, but we need everyone to take action. In addition to the three action st steps we are laying out today, I want everyone to mark down July 30th on their calendar. This is Medicare's anniversary, and PNHP is planning on leading a nationwide effort to highlight why we must protect Medicare. Now, on to the action steps, and each of them only takes a few minutes. I've mentioned these before, but I'll mention them again. First, call your congressional representative and senators and tell them to fight back against direct contracting and reach. The Capitol switchboard is open during regular business hours and they will connect you directly with your member of Congress based on your address. Next, please call President Biden and urge him to use executive action to immediately end direct contracting and reach. The White House isn't open on uh, Monday, but you can start calling tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Check your email tomorrow morning for specific instructions to help. Finally, sign our petition against direct contracting and reach and share it with everyone you know, whether they're a senior or not. Adding your name only takes a few seconds, but makes a big difference in this fight. Go to protectmedicare.net forward slash reach petition or check your email for the direct link. Thank you again to Social Security Works and ActTV for producing this event. And thank you to our allies at Public Citizen, Social Security Works, People's Action, Indivisible, Puget Sound Advocates for Retirement Action, Jane Adams Senior Caucus, the California Alliance of Retired Americans, and the 300 other organizations who have pledged to fight ACO reach. The outcome of this campaign will determine the future of Medicare. Will it be a truly public program that protects the beneficiaries and spends our tax dollar wisely? Or will we allow Wall Street middlemen to run away with billions in profits at the expense of seniors and Americans with disabilities? This is absolutely a fight that we can win, but only if we take action across the country. Thank you for being with us today. So now let's turn up the heat. Let's close on, excuse me. <laughs> just instruct but let's turn up the heat and follow up and 
with the three suggestions uh, that were suggested in this and check your email for all the links. Thanks for joining. The searing memories in my life is being in a children's hospital in Boston with my son who had lost his leg uh, to cancer and he was under a regime that was going to take three days of treatment every three weeks for two years in order to be able to be in this uh, process or this system, this treatment that offered the best opportunity. And it was being paid for, since it was an experimental, by NIH. And they paid for probably the first four months that I was in uh, that uh, particular regime. And after that, it demonstrated some success, and they stopped the payments. But for all the other families, they didn't have the kind of health insurance that that had. It was $3,000 for every family every three weeks. And I listened to these families who's had their children had the same kind of affliction that my child have. And they said, look, we've sold our house. We have the $30,000. We have $20,000. We're able to afford it for three months, for four months, for five months. What kind of chance does my child have to be able to survive? I knew that my child was going to have the best because I had the health insurance of the United States Senate. And I knew that no one, no parent, no parent in that hospital had the kind of coverage that I had. That kind of choice for any parent in this country is absolutely unacceptable and wrong, my friends. And I can tell you this. When every member of the United States Senate comes in and signs into the United States Senate, they signed a little card in two places. And one is their signature for their salary, and the other is for their health insurance. Their health insurance. Now, Senator Brown of Ohio, to his credit, will not accept it until the people of Ohio get it. Every other member of the United States Senate, every other member of the United States Senate has accepted it. And for the 15 times that I have fought on the floor of the United States Senate that we ought to have universal comprehensive coverage and to listen to those voices on the other side that have universal and comprehensive coverage and say, no, it is not time. We can't afford it. It's the wrong bill at the wrong time. My friends, if that health insurance is good enough for the members of the Congress of the United States and good enough for the President of the United States. It's good enough for everybody in Montgomery County, everyone in Pennsylvania, and everyone across this country. Maybe not enough of us remember the very serious effort back about 20 years ago that George W. Bush, Paul Ryan, former 3rd District Congressperson Ann Northup, they tried to privatize Social Security. The privatizers are back and they're going after Medicare. They say patients need to have more skin in the game. What, they do, what the privatizers do, they take our skin and pocket 
record-breaking profits. The dudes don't have a clue what normal folks are having to do to keep a family budget together to stay in their homes. They spend their time meeting with lobbyists from big insurance companies, big pharma, gun manufacturers, etc. What to do? Go to kyhealthcare.org, kyhealthcare.org to learn more. And Physicians for a National Health Program also have a lot of good info. PNHP.org. PNHP.org. Kentuckians for Single-Payer Healthcare is joining other grassroots organizations to celebrate and protect Medicare. And Kentuckians for Single-Payer Healthcare is providing free transportation to get folks here up to Washington, D.C., July the 30th. It's July the 30th for a rally up in Washington, D.C. You can learn more and reserve your spot on a vehicle headed to Washington by reaching out to Kay Tillo. She's our chairperson. Kay's email address is nursenpo at aol.com nursenpo at aol.com more information is available at kyhealthcare.org k and harriet seiler keep folks up to date with the latest info on our facebook and our twitter accounts as well thoughts and prayers will not deliver health care for us join us And thanks for listening. For Single Payer Radio, I'm Mark McKinley. Have a good week. Hi, um, my name is Amanda Groves, and I live in Benton, Kentucky. I depend upon the ACA because right now I'm not a full-time employee. I work part-time. I'm a substitute in the schools, and I'm also a student in seminary pursuing a second career, which I am very excited about. So it is because of ACA that I have the freedom to pursue my dream, do something different, and look out for my family. My husband has health issues. He can't drive, and he has several medical appointments. So it it would be very hard for me to work a full-time job. So it has been very beneficial to me. Um, I get supplements from the government. I'm not on Medicaid, but um, I do get some help from the government. But I still have a pretty pretty high premium, pretty high deductibles. And so I still have medical bills, so this, there, it is not a free ride. And so single payer would be the best answer for everyone involved. Um, even though I have insurance, I have really bad knee issues. They need to be replaced, but I can't, I, I can't do it because I, I do not have the funds uh, saved up to do something like that, to commit myself to something like that. So single payer would allow me to live my life to the fullest. Your name, sir? My name is Ray Crider, and I'm a strong supporter of single pay payer for our, my health care. It's the only way to go. Uh, many, many other nations have proven that to be the best way to do it. Uh, Canada is a good example, uh, and I'm a strong supporter I want it to be just like Medicare, 
Medicare has never missed a payment and it doesn't intend to and everybody ought to be covered by Medicare. Good deal. Thank you, sir. So do you come here often? Do you come I here come every year. Every year. And for those people that do not know about RAM or have heard about us and they're not sure, what would you say to them? We need the RAM. There's so many people up in these mountains. And these people come from Kentucky, Tennessee, not only just here. And how long have you been coming here? Well, since before 2008. It's way back then. And what happened back then? 2008. Of July, I came up here to get a breast mammogram. And while I was up to the mammogram, uh, getting one, mating, a lady come up with her finger bandaged up and asked her what happened. And she said that plastic surgeons took off some warts off her finger. And I showed her my little finger had, it had four or five tumors, I forget which one they took out. But I went down there and talked to them. They said they would do it the next day, but that day before, they had to check my heart and my lungs and take blood work before they do it. So when the nurse was uh, Dr. Joe Smitty's daughter, I don't remember her name now, but she listened to my heart and did a heart test and missed to my lungs. My lung, my right lung didn't sound right. So she sent me over to Dr. Joseph Smitty's van. He took x-ray and I had a lung cancer. And what they, happened after that? They, they had to go in and take most of my right line, cut in, take out most of my right line, and that saved my life. Hi, my name is Mike O'Connell. I um, feel very passionate about the concept of a single-payer health system. I think it's the only way that we in um, every state and in this country uh, can find a way to ensure that every citizen of the United States of America has adequate and competent health coverage uh, at a reasonable rate fashioned around a formula uh, that everyone can afford and everyone will be covered and it won't be just for those who have the money to be able to uh, buy the best health care they can and uh, I, you know I think that a health care system run on profit per se, and uh, with an idea of dividends, dividends to pay to shareholders is no longer workable in this, uh, this society as it's, and uh, I think worldwide. Uh, it's just not an answer, and, and uh, I hope that uh, eventually we'll see this happen in Kentucky and all over the country. Good deal. Thanks, Mike.